morning. Beautiful day to be here, worshipping God. I've got one or two notices. Are we switched on? No. <laughs> We're right now, are we? Can you hear? No? <laughs> I don't think I can shout any louder. I'm saying that it's a beautiful day to come and worship God today. We have one or two notices that I need to bring to your attention. The first one is there's no service here tonight. It is space at Fullwood at four o'clock. We have some really good news. It is Jason and Ben's engagement day yesterday. So... Uh, Next week is the Harvest Sunday. Um, We're going to ask this year again for tins of food and dry goods or monetary gifts for all we can. All will be gratefully received and uh, the food banks will be very happy. We just have a moment in silence before a prayer. Living God, we come at your invitation to celebrate, to receive, to eat at your table and be filled. Help us to prepare our hearts and minds to receive all you offer and to clothe ourselves with your gifts of love, joy, peace, goodness, compassion and humility whatever is pleasing and honouring to you, freely offering ourselves in the service of Christ, who freely gave so much for us. Amen. Now, I haven't introduced your new minister to you yet. And this is the Reverend, this is the Reverend Karen. I'm not going to say her last name because French names with a Lancashire accent don't sound that great. The sheep. Uh, and I'd also like to introduce Steve. If Steve would stand up and give a twirl. Uh, this is Karen's husband, Steve. And I'm going to leave you in their capable hands. Let's worship God together. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he's done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. <coughs> We're going to begin our worship by singing together number 21 in Singing the Faith, or it's up on the screen. Born in song, God's people have always been singing. <laughs>
I must say it is absolutely lovely to finally be here. Since we were matched last November, it seemed an awful long time coming, but Steve and I are delighted to be able to be here with you now and feel well settled. Let's pray together. Wonderful God, we thank you that you fill our hearts with your hope and our lives with a sense of expectation that you heal our wounds and wipe away our tears, that you excite us with your grace and overwhelm us with your mercy, that in Christ's life, death and resurrection, you have demonstrated your victory over death and despair and given us the assurance that nothing but nothing can bring an end to your loving kindness towards us or separate us from your love. Thank you that you bring us through every time of pain, brokenness and anxiety. That we can speak to others of your love in total confidence of its reality and its power to make all things new. Thank you for the peace, hope, joy and courage with which you filled our lives and for the gratitude with which you flooded our hearts. Yet, Lord, we know that though you are our wonderful, faithful Saviour, unfailing and steadfast at all times, we confess that we're often unfaithful to you and let you down. Forgive us when we keep your love and care for ourselves and when we don't share it with others. You have wonderful plans for us but we find it hard to put our trust in you at all times and allow you to lead us and guide us. We thank you that you can take our ordinary lives and make us new. Forgive us when we don't want to be changed and when we think we know what is best for us. Forgive us and help us to trust you with the whole of our lives, the whole of the way the whole of all the time. Wonderful God, thank you that when we confess our sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all that's wrong in our lives. We thank you, we praise you and we worship you, for you alone are worthy. We praise and thank you for your extravagant love, which gives us hope, joy and courage. We ask that by the Holy Spirit, you will take all that we bring, our songs, our words and our prayers, and transform them into a joyful celebration that is worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the name of Christ the Lord. Amen. And now we're going to sing the Lord's Prayer.
the screen, Psalm 100. And it's a wonderful psalm of praise. And after that, we're going to um, have a, a time of praise singing songs. So if, if the drummer could come, <laughs> come uh, down. So we're all going to say together the, the <coughs> Psalm 100, a wonderful psalm of praise. Shout the joy to the Lord of all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his master. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. All generations, as uh, we have a new minister today, and, uh, and Steve, come to join among us. We think of Andrew and Sarah starting their journey and through all the generations of this church, from right to the past, right to the future, we know that God is faithful. We're going to sing together, my Jesus, my Saviour, Lord, there is none like you. All my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love.
come, God is a faithful God. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. You're not the first person to mention that to me. I'm sure I'm not. 
Let me ask you, what do you find hard about change? It's different. It's not the same. It's new in ways I'm unsure of. It's devoid of the comfort and safety I'm accustomed to. It's filled with unknowns. It's like walking in the dark in a place you've never been. It's often lonely. You wonder if you'll ever become accustomed predictive text (laughs) to what's new. It's unsettling. It's... Okay. I've got your drift. Perhaps I could go on. I know. But let me interrupt you and ask you a question. What would you say to someone who came to you with just the same complaint? Not fair. I'll decide what's fair. Okay. Well, I'd tell them to take a few deep breaths. To remember change in the past that seemed insurmountable and how they survived it and even came to flourish in it. I'd tell them to pray, to bring it to you, which is what I did, and to examine the change while sitting with you in prayer. I'd tell them to ask for your strength and your help. I'd tell them to jump into the middle of the change as much as possible and not let the familiar be their enemy. I'd tell them to be patient, to take it a day at a time. I'd tell them not to exaggerate or awful eyes, again, productive text, (laughs) awful eyes their circumstances. I'd remind them that you are with them every step along the way that with your help they can get through anything that in the end all shall be well all shall be well all manner of things shall be well well done that's good very good advice so is that all you have to say Frankly, I think you said it all, and you said it quite well. So, scroll back up and take a few deep breaths. Remember changes in the past that seemed insurmountable and how you survived it, and even came to flourish in it, and pray, which is what you are doing. And, well, you can scroll back up and read it all there. Okay, now I've got your drift. I thought you would. And do remember, all shall be well. All manner of things shall be well. Amen. 
Thank you, Kath and Don. Change, that's what we're thinking about today. And it's not easy, is it? Every one of us has to face change. Is there anybody here who started school for the first time this week? So that was a big change, wasn't it? And what about if you've had a, a change of class teacher? Yes. And what about those who perhaps have started studying a subject that they've never studied before? Mm. And is there anybody perhaps who's changed jobs? Or maybe doing the same job but in a different place? <laughs> or even moved house? Or have you had a new pet? Or have you had to let go of some clothes that you really liked? Lots of changes. And these are just some of the changes we face. I want everybody to take just a moment and have a look around at everybody else that's here. Now, no matter what you see, everyone started off as a baby. There's one at the back. And we all developed and grew, and will grow through various stages in our life. Change is inevitable. It happens to all of us. I'm younger now. No, I'm older now than I was just a moment ago. Yet I know someone who doesn't change. Any guesses? God. Gee, top of the class, all of you. We've been singing about that already and hearing about that as we read the psalm. He's unchangeable, he's faithful, and he will never let us down. God is with us all the time. No matter what changes we go through, and some can be pretty scary. You can't see my knees knocking, can you? (laughs) We know that God has given Jesus to be our saviour and a role model, and his Holy Spirit to live within us and to be with us, to guide us and direct us. But as we grow, we gain more knowledge. But do we get any wiser? Hmm. We would hope so, but you know as well as I, I do, out of the mouths of babes can sometimes stand, pull us up short. But what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Just think about that for a minute. Well, knowledge is what you know, and wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge to how you live your life. So here's an example I'm sure you're all aware of. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's knowledge. But wisdom sees it as this. I need to be prepared to want as much for someone else as I want for myself. And more importantly, I'm willing to do something about it. God wants us to know things But more importantly, he wants us to be wise, to use that knowledge in our lives on a daily basis. When we come to church, we come to meet with others to worship God. 
And having worshipped God, we want to leave having more of God evident in our lives, becoming more Christ-like. If we want to grow as Christians, we need to be changing constantly. So change is good. Let's pray. Lord, we pray especially for our children and young people as they leave for Curios. May they not grow only in knowledge, but also in wisdom and love for you. May we too grow in our own discipleship day by day as we learn from you and each other, Lord. Amen. Thank you very much, Nicola. Lord, we know that everything we have comes from you. And we ask that you would accept these offerings of money in the plate and those given directly to the bank. And with them, accept our lives for your service. In your precious name we pray. Amen. now we're going to hear several verses from the Gospels on the theme of calling read by Eric and Pat. Thank you. Hear the Gospel of Christ. Glory to Christ our Saviour. The first reading is from Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 to 22. It's the account of Jesus calling his first disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is the Gospel of Christ. Thank you, Eric and Pat. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. Change, it's that word we hate, and it's comfortable, uncomfortable at times going through it. And it's never easy, is it? Yet it's the one certainty in life. There will always be change. We see it in nature through the seasons, in our lives as we grow older every day. Perhaps in our working lives, in and outside the home. In our relationships with others, as we encounter different people. And in our church, as one minister leaves and another starts. But there is one certainty that never changes, and that's God's love for each and every one of us. It is this faithful, unchangeable God that we're called to worship and serve. The president and vice president of the conference this year have chosen the theme with much urging from the young people. So what's the story? The young people want to hear stories of how God is working in Christians' lives last month, last week, today. And it's not just the young people who are ready to listen to our stories. Now I must say, I usually follow the lectionary and use the set readings for the day. But for today, I thought it would be good, a good way of introduction to share a little of my own story and calling with you. Interestingly, ever since Steve and I found out where we'd been matched to, people, both here and in the Channel Islands, have asked, what have we done to deserve to be sent so far from Sark, (laughs) so far north? Well, isn't it great to know that God has a plan? We wait in anticipation and excitement. As I was preparing for today, God reminded me of some important points. 
The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. That's from Thessalonians. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Again from Romans. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's from Corinthians. So Steve and I are very pleased that God has called us to live here, to serve you, to encourage, help and support you in your own discipleship and to enable you to go from here to serve God and your community every day of your lives. While I was at Theological College, I found it very challenging to integrate the range of theologies we studied to find the right fit that I felt at home with, that seemed to correlate with my innate God-given gifts and personality. And it was a spirit-filled, light-bulb moment when I discovered that I'm a practical theologian which means being dedicated to the practical application of theological insights, living what you believe in a day-to-day life. So, I'm a practical theologian, but with a pastoral heart for relational theology. I always say I don't do religion, and this actually shocks quite a few people until I explain. Basically, I stress... I do relationships, my relationship with God, my relationship with others, and my relationship with God's creation. That is relational theology. I'm a very simple soul, really. As you get to know me, you'll find that I'm a very visual person, and at times I feel I'm given pictures or use pictures as illustrations. For example, in a previous story, a testimony, I talked about jigsaw pieces, but that's another story. So, being a very visual person, I'm going to shock you all now and talk about hearing, or rather listening to sounds. There's always been talk of the universal language of love, but I feel the universal language of music is equally valid. There's something about music that touches the soul where sometimes words are not needed. And this is why I chose Born in Song, God's people have always been singing. Methodists are renowned for singing their faith, hence the title of the latest Methodist hymn book. When reflecting on my call and what I might say, I started thinking about Jeremy Begbie's essay entitled Through Music, Sound Mix which I read in my first year studying at Queen's. And it talked about how one single note can be played and yet it fills the whole oral space in your head. Then if a second sound is played, you can still hear the first sound, but the sounds interpenetrate and overlap, yet each can still be heard distinctly. You might guess where I'm going with this, I'm sure. By adding a third sound, you can get into discussing the trinity, relational space, and for those with a theological mind, and perichoresis, 
the term referring to the relationship of the three persons of the triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and how they relate to one another. And that's as good a place as any to be, starting with God for your story. Staying with sounds, imagine an orchestra playing in your mind. It's playing the symphony of life. As you listen, you think you hear something quite distinctive, but you're not quite sure. So you listen again a little bit harder until, yes, you do hear it. Then you try and work out, well, exactly what is that? I took comfort from the fact that Samuel was called three times before being told by Eli it was God calling. God's call has been a bit like listening for a triangle playing in a complete orchestral work. Once I recognised it, I heard it more and more because I became attuned to listening for it. Hearing God's voice, that distinctive personal sound for me, you might say has gone on for many years in lots of differing ways. It's not just one call, there are continuous calls. From initially being called to become a child of God, to being called into teaching and hearing a call to local preaching, and as I said, with many other calls along the way. But it was perhaps not a triangle that God used to call me to ministry in Sark but rather the symbols to get my complete attention and confirm, yes, that really was God's call to completely change the direction of not just my life, but Steve's as well. The clashing symbols were perhaps also present, depicting the stormy weather that delayed Leo Osborne, the then president of the Methodist Conference who was visiting, and David Hinchliffe, my chair of district, when, with the extra time, the call to explore ordained ministry was once again raised. And the rest, they say, is history. Here I am, at the beginning of another call, to serve in Bamber Bridge, along with chaplaincy at the school, and to serve Christchurch in Longridge. I've discovered other aspects to my call as I've journeyed along to answer it. The call is not a call for isolation, but to be part of a community, just like musicians playing together in an orchestra. Whilst hearing them separately at times, they work effectively together and listen for and look out for each other. And that's where we're watching over one another in love. Also, which gives me a great sense of freedom... It's great to know God's already written the music. We just need to watch for God's activity and join in as we're cued to play our part. Yet even though the music is written, there's still room for improvisation, for each to add their own unique interpretation within the overall pattern and framework of the score of music. At times, the music has had a strong, steady beat and rhythm, and you get carried along with the rhythm of music, that rhythm of life. And here I equate that to undertaking the Ignatian spiritual exercises with the spiritual director over a period of a year, 
which had a profound effect on the pattern and rhythm of not just my prayer life, but my life in general. This has been where I found a significant shift in my being and doing. Perhaps I could say that they were separate sections of the orchestra playing their respective parts, but now they're harmonised together with my doing arising from within my being, from a profound position of peace. However, the first week of the diary was not like that. I've also experienced quiet music, strong resounding music, and playful music, which, yes, I sense God's sense of humour in. Then there's been those challenging times when I appeared to be on the offbeat, yet you know it's deliberately written that way and for a reason. God uses those combinations of notes that bring discord, which makes you sit up and take notice, or draws you to seek God's presence even more. Yet these times can be times of great blessing, although you may not see it at the time. When we add our distinctive sound to God's orchestral score of unconditional love and grace, not only are we transformed, but our potential to love and serve others swells and brings glory to God, the creator and composer of life. We're asked in Psalm 100, verse 1, to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Well, actually, you weren't a noise. It really was lovely singing. My response is with the words of Psalm 104, verse 33. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. The music plays on. Can you hear it? Can you hear a call? Will you be like the disciples and respond immediately and follow Jesus? Or perhaps you've answered the call, but feel weary or overburdened or worn out. Jesus is still calling, but maybe to come to him for rest and restoration where you can just be in his presence. Remember, it's God who calls, and he calls us for a purpose, to go and bear fruit. May we each be fruitful in our own relationship with our loving God and in our relationships with others, not forgetting our relationship with God's creation so it can equally be fruitful. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I hope you've all got close by or near you um, the little card, A Congregational Prayer for Transition. And it was written by Jay Shaddle. And I'd like us just to say it together 
as we move into this period of change. Has everybody got a copy? Let us pray together. God of love, you are with us in every transition and change. As we enter into this new era with excitement and even some anxiety, we recall your deep compassion, presence and abounding love. We thank you for the gifts, talents and skills with which you have blessed us. We thank you for the experiences that have brought us to this moment. We thank you for the work of others that gives breadth and depth to our own work. Be with us as we move forward, rejoicing with you and supporting one another. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. And please feel free to take them home with you, and if there's any spares, to give them to perhaps somebody else who's not here. And now Kath's going to lead us in our prayers of intercession. Thank you, Kath. on Friday, a much-loved member of our, our congregation. Also for Tony Bonser and Joyce Eland and Enid Bradshaw, who are not well. And we pray for Jason and Ben, who got engaged yesterday. Let's pray together. Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. Loving Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning with our prayers for others, we know that sometimes in our lives it is difficult to sing that joyful song. We pray for those whose song has become discordant and unharmonious. We pray for the leaders of nations as they seek to find ways in which people can live together in peace. And especially for the leaders in our nation, battling with the apparently insoluble problems they face. May they act with integrity, justice and humility, putting others before themselves. We pray for those whose song has become sad, for whatever reason, for those in pain, both mental and physical, praying especially for Tony, Joyce and Enid, for those who have become bereaved, especially for the family of Elsie, for those struggling to feed their families, both here and in this country and in other parts of the We pray for those beginning a new song, for students starting university, we pray especially for Kimberley, for children starting new schools and classes, and for Karen and Steve as they begin a new ministry among us, and for all of us as we adapt and welcome change. 
Loving Lord, you know the song in each of our hearts. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, so that our song, whether slow or fast, major or minor key, may be sung in harmony with you, overflowing from our hearts to be heard by all those around us to bring glory to your name. For in Jesus' precious name, Now we sing together, singing the faith 673, or it's on the screen, will you come and follow me if I will call your name? say a person's name as I give them the bread. So when you come to receive, please say your name to me and keep saying your name to me every time I see you until I turn around and say, hello, Kath, and then you know you don't need to keep repeating your name. It will take me a while, but please be patient with me. And please indicate if you'd rather just have a blessing um, than, than receive communion. Jesus calls us to remember his story as we come to his table to share in communion. The peace of God is here to stay. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. 
It's made ready for those who love him and who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, not because I invite you, it's our Lord's invitation. It's his will that those who love him should meet him here. Lord, we give you thanks, praise, hearts lifted high, voices full and joyful, these you deserve. For when we were nothing, when we had no name, no faith, no future, when we lost our way, when we came back to you, and look, you prepare a table for us, offering not just bread and wine, but your very self. So we join our voices with those of the church on earth and in heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We cannot take bread and forget those who are hungry. We cannot take wine and forget those who are thirsty, crying out for justice. We cannot hear the words of peace and forget the world at war. We cannot celebrate the feast of your family and forget our divisions. Lord, heal your church in every bruising. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he sat at supper with his disciples, and while they were eating, he took bread, said a blessing, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, it is given for you. Do this to remember me. Later, he took a cup of wine, saying, This is God's new covenant, sealed with my blood. Drink from it, all of you, to remember me. So now, following Jesus' example and command, we take this bread and this wine, the ordinary things of the world. Lord Jesus Christ, you are present with us now. What have we to offer? Our hands are empty. We are not worthy. But with you is mercy and the power to change us. So as we do now in this place, what you did in an upstairs room, send your Holy Spirit upon us that these gifts of bread and wine may be for us the body and blood of Christ. Heal us, forgive us, make us whole. We want to be your body, loving and caring in the world. Amen. The bread we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are all one. 
These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come and receive. All is now ready.
and we pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, you have put your life in our hands. Now we put our lives in yours. Take us, shake us, remake us. Amen. Called by Christ to be disciples, number 660 in Singing the Faith. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit remain with us always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace in the power of the Spirit to live and work to God's praise and glory. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.